Hi, and welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week we watched and will be talking about The Princess Diaries. Jan, would you like to tell us a little bit about this movie? I sure would. The Princess Diaries is a 2001 American teen romantic comedy, according to Wikipedia. It is directed by Gary Marshall and written by Gina Wendkos, based on Meg Cabot's novels. It stars my favorite and yours, Julie Andrews, Anne Hathaway, Hector Alonzo, Heather Matarazzo, Mandy Moore, Carolyn Goodall, Robert Schwartzman, Eric Von Detten, etc., etc., Sandra Oh, Fat Louie as himself. Apparently the cat, the cat is actually named Fat Louie. <laughs> Paul, would you like to tell us a little bit about the plot of The Princess Diaries? Sure. Awkward 15-year-old Mia Thermopolis discovers that unbeknownst to her, she is the heir to the throne of vaguely European country Genova. Genovia. Genovia? Genovia. Genovia. (laughs) Vaguely European country Genovia, when her grandmother Julie Andrews comes to tell her, their grandmother the queen, Mia becomes a princess. For some reason, she doesn't want to be a princess, but then decides that actually she does want to be a princess. So she is. The end. That is okay. <laughs> like, there are mishaps on the way. There are definitely mishaps along the way. That's basically what happens. I guess, yeah, that is basically what happens. Hey, want to be a princess? No, you can't make me. Oh, come on. Oh, okay. Credits. (laughs) (laughs) She learns love and (laughs) things along the way. She learns her the real princess for the friends she made along the way. (laughs) The real princess was inside her all along. (laughs) Oh, that's true. This is a Disney movie after all. I neglected to mention that. Mm. That this movie is uh, distributed by Disney. Right. So, objectively speaking, how good of a movie is The Princess Diaries? I mean, it's pretty good. First of all, actually, even before that, I haven't read any of the books. Have you? Mm, I have read almost all of the books, which there's like 10. So can you talk for just a sec about this movie as an adaptation? What's your assessment of this as an adaptation of the Meg Cabot books? I think it's a decent adaptation. I think that um, there are several changes from the book, from book to movie. The books are her diaries. Obviously, that's why it's called Princess Diaries. And so they're a little bit more about her life, a little bit slower. Mm -hmm. And not so much like there's a crisis and you must accept right now and decide right now. It's more of a slow burn over several books about her life as a princess. And uh, she's a bit smarter in the book. She's a writer, and they don't really show in the movies. They kind of show her as a general nerd, but not as as smart as she is in the books. Right. That makes sense. So 
that all, that often happens in translation to screen. Um, of course, uh, the first movie is not that far off from the general plot of the books. The second movie, just to drop that out of there, is absolutely not based on the books at all. Right. <laughs> Only retains the character. Gotcha. Subjectively, though, now that that's uh, out of the way, how good of a movie is The Princess Diaries? It's like a very 2001 movie, hey? Well, yeah, like it's very from 2001, and here we are in 2019 talking about it. So, like, I think it holds up for a reason. This isn't a movie that's gone away. People have continued to watch it and rewatch it over the years, and... I think that that says something about the plot and the characters and the actors and whatnot. So you said actors. I want to say, like, I think there's highlights and there's lowlights to The Princess Diaries, but one of the definite highlights is the cast. Yeah. And, like, first, uh, Anne Hathaway, who, this is the movie that made her a star, right? Yeah, I mean, this is her first real role. And, like, watching it again now, it's... Yes, she became a big deal after this movie. Like, Mm -hmm. it makes sense. She's so good. Yeah. She's funny and charming and, like, she's great. Mm Mm-hmm. And then, like, who is better than Julie Andrews? And her, like, presence in this movie as, like, let's have someone who uh, exemplifies, like, classiness and uh, also comfort, (laughs) like, at the same time. Yep. And that is Julie Andrews. She's so great. It's mm-hmm. sad that she isn't doesn't sing in this movie. This is like when she had her uh, the like um, notes on her vocal cords. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't really sing anymore. Yeah, it's really sad. Yeah, because Julie Andrews has the most beautiful voice. But even her speaking voice is beautiful, and she is great is. in this movie. Yes, she really is. <laughs> she classes up the joint. And they're like, what's his name? Who's Joe? Mm, Hector Lonzo. Hector Lonzo is also, frankly, pretty great Mm -hmm. in this movie. The three of them, like everyone else is okay. The three of them are great. Yep. I like um, her friend Lily, Heather Mazzarello, uh, is, I mean, she's not great, but she's hilarious. And I think she adds a lot to the movie to have this best friend character. Yeah. She's a great character. And she's a... I mean, she's good. She's fun to watch and charming. She's not a great actor. No. <laughs> but she's fun to watch. Yeah. Um, how's the writing of this movie? I think the writing is, is good. I think that... Uh, like I said, I've read the books and this, this is similar to them. So it's, you know, Meg Cabot is kind of thanks to her. And it's got it's got some good lines in it. You know, it's got some good dialogue that sticks with you. And it does the beats really well. Like, it'll have her saying, shut up. And then later on, the grandmother says, it. you know, it's like they... That's in the next movie, I think. I think she says it in this one, too. We watched both, and it, they're now fuzzing in my brain. Yeah. But they just, uh, I just think it's it's funny and well well executed and well written and well directed. I mean, Gary Marshall can direct a comedy. Yeah, no and doubt. And it's well directed. 
No doubt, no argument at all. The direction's really strong. There's like, you said that there's an urgency in the movie that isn't in the book. Mm -hmm. And especially, there's like the two villains to the degree that there are villains who are like, if she doesn't become the princess, then Genovia falls under our rule. Mm -hmm. And it's like incredibly... Uh, underdeveloped. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And they're like four fifths of the way through the movie, they appear and exposit their plot and mm -hmm. do nothing, just sit on the sidelines hoping that it'll happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, like, I could have done without that. That was mm -hmm. not a necessary addition, I think, at all. Yeah. And I said in my description of it, I said a little bit of what I think, which is like, the, her, what a horrible thing it is to be a princess is weirdly unmotivated and is only so that there's conflict. It doesn't, I don't think that, I think Anne Hathaway did her level best to sell it as an actor, but I think the script does not sell that. Hmm. That like, you're a princess. Oh no! <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, it. I feel like it's not the, so much the princess part as you're going to be the ruler someday part. Yeah. Is a part of it. And then it's also the, like, I'm a freak. I'm a, you know, I am awkward. Don't make me be in the spotlight thing. Yeah. I mean, I might say the same thing if someone approached me and was like, guess what? You're going to be famous. I'm like, no thanks. Hard pass. You know? <laughs> I... I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. If someone came up to you and said, you're going to be famous. I would say, yes, please. I don't want the script. I wouldn't mind a little bit of fate. Like, I like it when my tweets go viral or whatever. But the scrutiny and uh, lack of privacy of that kind of fame makes sense that someone wouldn't want that. That a 15-year-old would struggle with that. But I doubt, in a way, too, that she would have the insight to know what it meant to be a princess at that age. Yeah. Is maybe where it where it lacks. Yeah. How old was Anne Hathaway? She seems not, not 15. I doubt she's actually 15. She seems 15. like 20. She's probably about 20, I would say. I think she's about the same age as us, so by 2001, she was probably in her 20s. Yeah. Anyway. Um... Apart from objectively, how much do you enjoy The Princess Diaries? I love this movie. It's one of my, like, there's a, the reason we watched it is because I saw it recent, or I saw, like, uh, it pop up on our feed recently, and I was like, ah, oh, the kids would love The Princess Diaries. Let's watch that. Because it was, it's something that I've seen several times for some reason or another, and I just genuinely enjoy it. I genuinely enjoy Anne Hathaway and the cute little love story plot. And that's just my, exactly my jam. <laughs> How about you? Yeah, I enjoyed it uh, fine. Mm -hmm. I really like Anne Hathaway. I'd forgotten that Mandy Moore is in this movie. Right, and yeah. I've been watching a lot of This Is Us, so it was like, oh. Early I now really like Mandy Moore. At the time, I would have had no feelings at all one way or the other. Mm -hmm. But like, Tangled and This Is Us together made me develop a lot of affection for Mandy Moore. And then she's in this movie and it's like, hey! And then, uh, 
it is a lot of fun. It's it's funny. There's people in it I enjoy watching on the screen, like just them being on the screen, and mm-hmm. that's Julie Andrews and that's Anne Hathaway and yeah, uh, to a lesser extent Mandy Vore. Just them being on the screen makes me enjoy the thing. Um, so I, I don't think I like it as much as you do. Yeah, it's not a childhood favorite of mine. I'd seen it before, mm-hmm. but this is maybe the second time I've watched it. Mm. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it. Yeah. So there definitely are some serious aspects to get into. So let's just get into the way, way, way too, too serious, 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 serious portion of our show. So I want to start with, I do love this and I love what uh, I remember of it. But watching it again this time with a slightly more critical eye or even just a slightly more adult eye... I thought that when I watched it years ago that the love story was really like, oh, obviously this is like the love story, but like he barely does anything besides be there. Yeah. And she barely does anything to like actually like him. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's a very not tepid really, love story. It's a very tepid love story. It makes sense that uh, he's gone by the next movie mm-hmm. and that she- gets described in a line of dialogue is like we're just friends yeah <laughs> and, and also the next movie includes the line like i'd never been in love and like watching the first movie it's like yeah that's accurate yeah exactly <laughs> uh she for just... some reason the first time i saw this i thought it was really romantic <laughs> well they go out into the garden and all the lights sparkle and her foot pops mm-hmm. um, and he's so much better than like the gross blonde dude yeah but it's a low bar. Yeah, it's true. This is. I was thinking, like, you said this movie is right up your alley, and I was thinking The Princess Diaries is so pretty, uh, pretty explicitly, like, the ancestor of The Princess Switch. Oh, and absolutely. The Christmas Prince. Yeah. And, like, those movies, this is, like, the mold that those movies are made in. Mm-hmm. And it's not the first, like, she a character discovers that they're secretly special mm-hmm. by any means. That's a ancient story. But the, like a lot of the beats, you can see that this movie is like laying the groundwork that a lot of current movies still follow. And Absolutely. specifically like those Hallmark sh- blocky movies that you like. Yes. <laughs> I feel like this one's actually good. Whereas those ones, I'm aware that they're bad. I just like them anyway. This one has its moments. Mm-hmm. I don't, like, is it good? Is it quick conversation for later on? <laughs> I guess so. Um, I mean, what we seriously need to talk about in this movie is this idea of the ugly duckling yep. who gets transformed into a beautiful princess yep. and what kind of message that's sending, what kind of a worldview that espouses. Let's just get into that. We so, have... This girl with bushy hair, Mm -hmm. who's awkward, who wears glasses, who wears, I mean, basically her school uniform. We don't really see her in other clothes than that. Except her rock climbing gear, which is like not at all awkward. No, not at all. The rock climbing thing is a bit weird. Yeah, it's not really in the series. Maybe it is in the series if you have something to say about it. But what do you think about the rock climbing? Out of place. Because it's cool. Because it's too cool for her. Yeah, it's like, exactly. She 
client she does rock, like she works at a she rock climbing place is like okay she has a job and maybe that's like to show she's a peasant or something mm-hmm. but then she when she like scales the rock to have that conversation with her mom like it's m- fulfills the uh have people doing something visually interesting while they're having a conversation they do that and they're throwing darts at paint like those are two visually interesting settings within which to have a conversation but like she looks way too cool climbing that rock rock. like absolutely she's competent and uh she's not even wearing her glasses no exactly so like she's not even styled like code for ugly hey (laughs) i wear glasses and we need to get having said that we need to get back to like what is wrong with this ugly duckling transformation story well i mean it's very one standard of beauty one standard of uh hairiness one stand like her hair goes from super curly to smooth which is like a big thing is saying like curly frizzy hair is unacceptable and well anne hathaway is a white character there is a certain uh racial assumption there that you must take your frizzy curly hair and straighten it out and make it smooth and perfect she's thermopolis yeah so she's yeah she's greek which is greek and the like the there is a racialized stereotype associated with mediterranean Mm, yes absolutely women especially frankly Mm -hmm. that like of hairiness yeah. So thick eyebrows and really thick bushy hair, and it is unattractive. Yeah. And it's like, that is absolutely a racial stereotype. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so she give her a Greek name, and she's too hairy. Yeah. And it's uh, disgusting. Yeah. And And then we also, like... I mean, it's so... It's so tired... But it's mm-hmm. also like, how do you make a beautiful actress into someone that the audience will recognize, will read as ugly, will recognize as being accepted to be narratively ugly, mm-hmm. is you give them glasses. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And why are glasses unattractive? Well, for lots of reasons, but one of the many reasons is because glasses signify intelligence. And intelligence is unattractive. Yeah, exactly. Like, that is that really is, is that simple, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You wear glasses, and why do glasses signify intelligence? Because in like going back to centuries, uh, you wear reading glasses to read, and people who wear glasses read, mm-hmm. uh, right? Yeah, and it's that stereotype is why mm-hmm. girls who wear glasses, and specifically glasses, are not. Uh, unattractive on men Mm -hmm. they're unattractive on women because they signify a woman who is reading instead who is a subject instead of an object Mm -hmm. who is looking out instead of being looked at yeah and you take off her glasses and give her contacts instead but it doesn't matter take off her glasses because the glasses help her see not be seen Mm -hmm. (laughs) and yes it is exactly that simple yeah when the 
when the um, beautician snaps her glasses in half, I gasp because, like, <laughs> if someone were to take my glasses and snap them in half, they would ruin my life. In fact, my glasses recently did snap in half, and it has ruined my life. <laughs> I have, I'm wearing my backup glasses, and I have been for months, and it's, like, glasses are, for me, an essential part of my life because I am very blind, but, or I have very poor vision, mm-hmm. but... I, but they're also a major part of my identity. Mm-hmm. And so to just take someone's uh, identity away is a big deal. And they really do strip her of her identity. And this story is a coming of age story. It's that she's choosing her own identity in several different ways. But the makeover is very, um, we're making, we're putting you in this box. And she never goes back. No. Ever. Her hair never gets curly again, and I don't really know how that works. Even like, when it gets wet and then dries in the air. Mm-hmm. I like, thought I, of that when she gets caught in the rain. I was like, how is her hair still straight? Yeah, I don't know. They chemically treated it or something. I know how I don't know. hair works. I have curly hair. I have straightened my hair, and then when it gets wet, it goes curly again. Not chemically. You've never chemically straightened your hair, That's which true. is what I assumed they did. Okay. But still... Yeah, I I don't understand how it gets wet and doesn't get at least somewhat curly again. It's yep. it's a bit ridiculous. I assume it was a wig, the curly the hair. The curly hair, On yeah. Anne Hathaway, because her hair naturally is smooth. Or it maybe isn't. What do Who I knows? know? Maybe it isn't. This is maybe th- Mia's eyebrows are Anne Hathaway's natural eyebrows, even. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. They certainly aren't the eyebrows she's allowed to present to the world as an actress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's exactly it. It's this one standard of uh, beauty that you have to obey or else you are horrible. You're ugly. And it's it's ridiculous. And there's the moment when, like, her... She has her makeover. Maybe I don't want to say this because I don't want to go past too quickly... What you said about the makeover scene, that it's someone else deciding her identity for her, stripping mm-hmm. her of her identity and giving her a new one. And that's where, like, oh, no, I'm a princess. How awful I made fun of. Yeah. But, like, there is some uh, thing to the, like, you can't be the person that you think you are. I am now going to tell you who you are. And the movie doesn't seem to... The movie ends by saying, like, that was good and correct. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah, pretty much. I guess she chooses it, sort of. Sort of. Sort of. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right? She Really what she does is she chooses the job, but she is told that the identity is not in her choice. Yes, exactly. Like, she... She chooses the job because she realizes that she can do good with it. Is that her, her, basically her friend and her father convince her that, like the words of her father from Beyond the Grave, uh, convince her that being a princess means that she can make a difference in the world in the good, in, for good. And that's probably true, but she does have to go along with, and you have to wear some beautiful clothes. Like, let's get you, you're soaked from the rain. And in your sweats. Uh, and now it's time to go to the ball. Let's go and get you cleaned up and beautified and like a gorgeous princess so we can 
show you off in very specific ways and the the moment even before the makeover where she comes in and her grandmother is like and julie andrews like turn around and let me look at you and she just like starts commenting on her body Mm -hmm. what can be fixed i'm like that's a funny scene and whatever but it's also absolutely humiliating yeah for anyone and absolutely objectifying and absolutely the message is you now exist to be looked at mm-hmm. right and frankly Anne hathaway herself has taken a stand against this kind of thing in recent years there's she has had to change her body shape for a lot of roles including uh the devil wears prada and uh especially for les mis Mm-hmm. where she had to look emaciated. And she had people asking her, you know, oh, what were your diet tricks? And she was horrified. She's like, I had to look starved. And you want to know how you can look starved. Mm-hmm. Like, no, that's not okay to ask me. And I really appreciate her as an actress and as a person standing up for that and saying, I'm not going to tell you diet trips. I'm not, there are just kind of a handful of actresses who, and it's getting more and more who won't buy into their ridiculousness, who won't buy into this world, this Hollywood world of, you know, tell us all about your secrets to health and secrets to whatever, because everyone knows that that their secrets to health are being rich. Yeah. Are having, you know, personal trainers and personal dietitians and... I'm just going to interrupt you for a sec to say no one is asking Anne Hathaway her secrets to health. They're asking her secrets to beauty. Yes. Which good is not call. the same thing. Not the same thing. Okay. So carry on. They are... Yeah. Their secrets to everything is being rich and, and being in movies where they have to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so they do everything to their bodies to make it look a certain way. That's not healthy not always healthy especially and Anne Hathaway I appreciate is the one saying it wasn't healthy mm-hmm. I read an interview about her in the Devil Wears Prada where her and Emily Blunt were hugging each other and crying because they were so hungry right because they're forced to not eat as much as they should while filming a movie like this and I it is sad so why do i watch this movie (laughs) (laughs) and then like the other thing that struck me really is when she after she gets the makeover and she's like looking you know beautiful according whatever quote unquote uh and everyone's like wow she's so amazing and her friend uh, Lily is like, you look ridiculous. Yeah. And that whole exchange was very interesting because on one hand, because yeah, first of all, she kind of does look ridiculous, especially at first. Mm-hmm. When they first take the things away, it's like very 2001 and very, like I knew someone <laughs> who looked just like that and I will guarantee doesn't anymore. And like people who are that age don't, you know, like the very, she very... She didn't look 15. She was made up to look like she was like 25. Yeah, she was made up to look 25 and she had very specifically... um very specifically of that moment hair and makeup Mm -hmm. 
You know, and it does look a little ridiculous now, the degree to which. And really only in that very first scene. Yeah. It tames it. It tames a lot later. It tames a lot later. In that very first scene where she's wearing the heaviest makeup and her hair is very straight but also blown out, like, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it does not look uh, uh, contemporary anymore because it isn't. Um, so when her friend's like, you look ridiculous, I'm like, actually, she kind of, that's supposed to be funny because she's supposed to look so obviously fantastic and not at all ridiculous. But watching it now, I'm like, actually, you do look a little ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on top of that, that like, that friend is horrible for not, for the way that they put the words in that friend's mouth are, uh, very uh, undermining and even aggressive. But what her friend says about, like, you used to care about what was in your head and now you don't care about what's outside your head is true. Mm-hmm. Right? And is exactly a different way of putting what I said about, like, why does she need to lose her glasses? Because she needs to be coded as an object instead of a subject. Instead of someone who does things, she's mm-hmm. someone who is observed and is seen. And that's what her friend Lily's trying to say. And her friend Lily is a monster for saying that to her. And like the worst friend for saying that to her, right? Really? I don't see that as what? she's the worst. I think she's giving her a little dose of reality. I think she's harsh about it. She's too harsh. But I feel like it's... um. I feel like it's an audience identification character that's like, you're taking this too far. You're like, you're... When when Lily doesn't know why she's doing this, mm-hmm. it's fair for her to be like, why are you suddenly changing and you're not even telling me why you're changing? I don't think we're... I think that we're not encouraged to be on Lily's side. Hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're... I'm on Lily's side, but... Yeah. Me too. <laughs> See, like, I'm on Lily's side, but I don't think the movie wants me to be. Hmm. Yeah, you might be right. I think the movie wants me to think that Lily is uh, actually the shallow one. Who only cares about that uh, Mia is still the same person she always was, but Lily only notices that she looks different. And instead of recognizing that Lily is... that uh, she's uh, objectively better... Lily wants to keep her weird. And the first half of the movie, Lily is like very negative on uh, Mia in a lot of ways. Yeah. And is the culmination of this. And they're in the limo with What's-His-Face, who is like quietly being like, yeah, when she, when Mia tells Lily off. Mm. So that we mean, have sorry, an, her brother? Her brother. What's-His-Face? <laughs> okay. Her brother, who's an objective third, like sort of object, but is framed in the scene as an objective third party who sides with Mia because Mia's right. Mm. Right. Right? That's our cue as an audience that we're supposed to think Lily is wrong because the objective third party doesn't side with Lily. Right. Yes. I do side with Lily. Mm-hmm. But I don't think the movie wants me to. Yeah. But you just said she was a monster. Yeah, I said that the, she's like, the movie is presenting her as like, how mm. what a horrible friend who can't be supportive. Right, yes. I don't actually think she's a monster. I think she's like making some fair points. But I think the movie yeah. is presenting her as like, I can't believe she wouldn't be, on, be recognized that her friend, 
finally has some confidence and finally looks beautiful instead of ugly. Mm-hmm. When, like, she's actually saying... she's She is harsh about it, but the... And that's like they play up the harshness so that we won't sympath- so that we won't accidentally sympathize with her, even though I still do anyway. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then on top of all of that, what do you think about the like uh there's a lot of uh girly cattiness in this movie. Oh lots. Yeah. Well you have the As- main bully girl, Mandy Moore. Yeah, especially with her. Lana. But go on. And then all of her, like, minions, which is such a stereotypical, like, girl, uh, bully girl in a, in a high school mu- movie mm-hmm. is a ringleader with all her minions, which is kind of true to life as well. And none of them can get along at all. They're all picking on her. And, and when she changes her hair to look fancy, they they don't appreciate it. They think, oh, look at her. She's trying to be like us yeah and then like lily is also her best friend is also there's just like so all this girl in girl fighting Mm -hmm. it's the typical thing of like uh we frame women in general and teenage girls even more as constantly in competition with each other Mm -hmm. right yeah i I agree with you, but I feel like this, at least, is not over a boy. Yeah, that's true. This is more just general cattiness, which does happen with girls. And is a thing that, like, interpersonal friendship crises are generally in high school more than fights over a boy or relationship crises. Crises. Fair enough. And I really like... Having complained about the fight between Lily and Mia, I love the way they make up. And I love the, like, the way they make up that is involves real apologies on both sides. Yep. And it kind of uh, dramatizes for us a friendship that isn't always perfectly supportive, but is still... Uh, really loving yeah absolutely absolutely in fact yeah the main um the main relationship in this movie instead of being a romantic one is the the relationship between mia and lily yeah is you have i mean you have a few relationships you have her mother and her grandmother and whatnot but instead of having a romantic relationship you have a friendship relationship but you can't have them fall in love so you have you stick in her brother Yep. You randomly have, oh, uh, Lily has a brother, so she can have a romantic intre- love interest. Which I feel like this movie would have been fine without one. Agreed. Completely fine without a romantic relationship. Uh, agreed. <laughs> a million percent agreed. I hadn't really thought of it till you just said it, but we could uh, easily say that uh, there's a displacement why of all people her brother because Mm -hmm. on some level they want there to be a romantic relationship between them yeah but that's not allowed so they have her brother be a surrogate so she can have a romantic relationship with lily uh at one step removed yeah it's it's like ron harry yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
Ron doesn't want to marry Jimmy. He wants to marry. I mean, Harry doesn't want to marry Jimmy. He wants to marry Ron, but he's not allowed. Gotcha. Sorry, I just went down a little fanfic road there. I didn't mean to. (laughs) Yep. Is there anything else about uh, the Princess Diaries that you want to take too seriously? I think we've del- delved into most most of it. I think there are other things that I'm not thinking of, but I mean, the main plot is the ugly duckling plot that is always fraught. The ugly duckling plot is fraught? The ugly duckling plot is fraught. I mean, we could talk a little bit about how the moniker needs to be established, be, needs to be <laughs> abolished, about how uh, arbitrarily making some person the new leader of a country is insane (laughs) and this is like more insane than democracy a dream fulfillment yay wonderful oh she's gonna be a great queen but like she's literally a random teenager (laughs) (laughs) how is it not how is this not like a fable that demonstrates why monarchy is insane (laughs) Yeah, the country's really tiny and insignificant, so oh, it doesn't matter. Well then, I'm sure all the people who live in that country feel great about that. Okay, first of all, Genovia is not real. Uh, second of all, the monarchy should be abolished, but I kind of like it. Yeah, of course you do. You've been raised on this garbage. I have been raised this, on this garbage. This kind of thing, this movie specifically... Is specifically built to make you think the monarchy is a good idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That's true. Um, add to that, I mean, we could, like, whatever. Uh, there's also a not very subtle racism and classism in where Genovia is. Mm. That, like, European, because European is better. It's There's, like a stereotypes about like Europe is classier than North America, mm-hmm. but also uh, it's, you know, white supremacy mm. is why Western Europe is the seat of cultured, uh, what you aspire to. Mm. Like, she's coded as Mediterranean, but she's not the princess of a Mediterranean country. <laughs> No, it's true. She's the princess of it's between Spain I mean, and Portugal or France Monaco. and Portugal or it's... something. It's Monaco, but like with British accents mm. and everybody's very white. Yeah. And like that's white supremacy. Yeah. That's why. That is. Is it good? Is it seriously good? I think it's pretty good. Yeah. I think it's pretty good. I think it has some moments. Medium good? Definitely at least medium good. So medium good. Medium good. Is it seriously good? Is it seriously good? No. I don't think so. No. I'd like... I think it's medium, seriously medium at best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's medium good and seriously medium. Because, like, it does show, like, the relationship between Lily and uh, 
Mia ends up being for the good, I think. Mm -hmm. But like, even, I think it's seriously medium if I'm, if we're generous. Yeah. Let's be generous. Let's be generous. Medium good and seriously medium. And what age is appropriate to watch this movie? Any age, really. Yeah, I'd say... It it has, like... uh, Our kids weren't really interested in in live-action movies where they kiss at the end until basically now. So, you know, 8 to 10. But... Yeah. You know. I think this movie is less objectionable than The Princess Switch. Yes. Uh, And maybe slightly more engaging for i don't know maybe slightly less engaging actually it's very teenagery very teenager-y. so there's nothing really to complain about to like shelter your kids from in it but a lot of kids i think would be a little bored by it until they're eight or nine yeah right yep because grown-up teenagers with grown-up teenager problems yeah exactly well so if you love the princess diaries and i know that there are so many out there who do you got to tell us about it. Or if you hate The Princess Diaries and have been forced to watch it by the, your evil overlords, um, escape from your evil, evil overlords, get on Twitter and tell us about it. Uh, we are at WTSCast. We are on email. On email? We yeah, have an we're email? On we're on it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Spend our time uh, surfing the emails. Surfing the emails. <laughs> Way too seriously cast at gmail.com. We are on some other social medias, social meds, as we like to call them, as Paul likes to call them. You you do now. (laughs) Everyone's saying it. It's the lingo of 2019. Social meds. Social meds. Tell your friends. Reddit, Twitter, Instagram. There are all the links to all of our stuff is always in our show notes, which you can find in your podcast player of choice. Just, you know, click on it and it'll all be there. And if you don't use a podcast player of choice, uh, how are you listening to us? I don't even know. From, like, the website? If you're on the website, the notes are there. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know, listen to us. <laughs> what else do we say in this part? You can support us oh, on yeah. Patreon at patreon.com slash clockworkscast. Doing so will help keep our, us in business, and we will be eternally grateful. Thank you to those patrons who have recently joined us and or increased their donations this year. 2019 has seen us rise to, I think, about $60 a month, which is really helpful. Yeah. We love you from the bottom of our hearts. And the top of our hearts. All all through. Yep. Aorta to... What's another part of the heart? Ventricle. Ventricles. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. And I'm secretly need to tell you that I'm the crown prince of uh, Bologna. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Bologna. Can we have some of that later? And only one of our children is going to be the queen. (laughs) Choose now. (laughs) Uh, The one on the left. No, the one on the right. Oh, darn it. (laughs) 